What's happening, guys? Pete Mundo here, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. You're about to listen to this week's interview with Sam Mays, and it aired on our radio affiliates in Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, West Virginia. Now it's in podcast form. If you haven't, please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We'll even send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. Give us a review and a rating on iTunes. Email me, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and we'll get that in the mail to you right away. Enjoy the interview, and we'll talk to you soon. Pete Mundo back with you on Heartland College Sports Weekly, and we now welcome in and say hello to Sam Mays and you probably know him if you're in Oklahoma. He's hosting on the franchise both in OKC and in Tulsa. Also, a former offensive lineman for Oklahoma State. So, uh, Sam, let's let's first, before we get to all the football and all that good stuff, uh, let's talk a little bit about you and that transition from football into the media landscape. A lot of guys try to do it, but let's be honest, not a lot of guys have this kind of success. So how did that work for you? You know, it, it really kind of came who was surprising me that I would like radio as much as I do, really the media uh, in general. Now, the, the one thing about me as a player is I was always good uh, for a quote, whether it was good for me or good for my team or bad for me or bad for my team. Uh, I just kind of like to run my mouth a little bit. So radio kind of came naturally. But, um, you know, for those who don't know, I, I injured myself uh, playing in a senior bowl and uh, was unable to uh, get back from that injury in time to really have my shot at playing on the next level kind of floated around for a few months with, with Cleveland, but just never really could get healthy. And it took me about three or four years to kind of get to the point where I could say I was 100% healthy. But during that time, I'm back in Stillwater, just kind of working some different jobs, trying to figure out what I want to do with myself. And a guy came up to me at a golf course randomly and said, look, I knew you as a player. You know, you were great in the media. Why don't you give radio a shot? And uh, it went from a one-day show a week at a Buffalo Wild Wings there in Stillwater uh, to a 10-year career, and, um, you know, now with the franchise, love it every second of it. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's anything that I can be passionate in and always try to excel, you know, obviously to the best that I can do, and and uh, this is just one of those things where I, I love it. I love Sports Talk Radio. I love the interaction with the listeners. Social media has added so much to it. It's just a lot of fun. Like, I love, I love my job, and it's just really been a great transition for sure. Uh, Sam May is joining us here, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Pete Munda with you. And, and you know this, Sam. I mean, you know, you got a full-time job in radio. I have one up here in Kansas City. We know we're fortunate to have these jobs. They don't grow on trees. But so many guys are trying to get into this business, especially former athletes. I'm sure you hear from some of them. What's the advice, you guys? You know what? You got to use what makes you credible. And you know, the one thing that a, a guy that didn't play in the level I did doesn't have is the ability to give you insight from the field, from the huddle, in the moment. Whether it's something in the locker room or something that happened at camp or something that happened, uh, you know, on the football field in one of those iconic, you know, play moments. Like I tell the story all the time about uh, Texas is the only team I never beaten in, in in Big Twelve, and I have I'm bitter about it still at 36 years old. But I, I tell people this story about my, my senior year, and, and uh, we're just uh, beating the crap out of them, up by 28 points or something like that going to halftime. And there were very few seniors left on that team. room were stone-faced because we knew what Vince was capable of, Vince Young, right, mm-hmm. just inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame. And I will never forget that gut-punch feeling when we go three and out in the first series in Austin, and Vince Young goes for 80 yards in the very next play. And I knew – if you would have t- – said timeout right there 
and asked me who was going to win that game, I would have said they're going to win the game. And they were down by 21 at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just those things that you just can feel the ter- the tide turn. Like that that feeling, that emotion uh, of this game is something that you know a lot of guys just can't can't tell stories like that or can't tell you what it feels like to be uh, in that situation to your rival and you know beat Oklahoma when they're going to go play for a national championship, things like that. So uh, use what you know. You know, be passionate about it and. And, uh, you know, just try to deliver it in the best way possible. I, and I don't think this is a hard industry, but it's one that you got to work on your trade. you got to try to get better at just like you did as a football player or a basketball player or whatever. And I think a lot of guys in my position give it a go and aren't great in the very beginning and then maybe give up a little bit. I think you just have to stay with it and, and be committed. And uh, I think it would be a little bit easier for some of these guys if they just tried a little bit longer. Sam May is our guest. And Sam, you know, when the franchise launched a, a few years ago, uh, you, you know, you came on board with a bunch of other people and you guys were going up against a powerhouse there in Oklahoma City. So how have these past few years been for you? You know, you're at a place like Oklahoma State. You're viewed as an underdog, let's say, against a team like OU, uh, at least in state. And now you're kind of playing that similar role. So what's that fight been like for you on now a professional level? Yeah, you know, the the um, I, I had several offers coming out of high school to play at colleges that were much better than, than Oklahoma State. But the thing that I loved about Stillwater was the challenge of the Big 12 at the time, which was arguably the best conference uh, in college football. So I, I show up to Stillwater. The stadium is a joke. Uh, the facilities are a joke. The football team at the time, I'll be honest with you, was a joke. That first year, they were awful. I remember going down to Texas Tech and getting beat by 50 points. Um, but there's something to be said about taking a project and getting better. You know, From the time that I showed up there on campus, Oklahoma State did nothing but get better. Uh, my senior class really was kind of what got the ball moving when it came to all the adjustments that were made, the facilities that were purchased, beat Oklahoma twice, um, you know, played in the Cotton Bowl against Eli Manning, um, you know, an ESPN instant classic game that was. And we went from nobody to somebody in just a few years. And, you know, when looking at an upstart like the franchise and, and you know, Ty, Tony and Ty Tyler and local ownership, uh, just a great opportunity to work for some people here in the metro, here in the city. And uh, I'd you know, I, I love the opportunity. You know, my, my competition – uh, it's fantastic. One of the most influential radio hosts in, in all of uh, the country. But I've gone from working 9 to 11 o'clock to uh, getting promoted to the three to six spots in, in a few years. And I'm good at what I do. And I am keep getting better. And I think when you look at you know the, the pace that I play at, uh, the, the social media aspect, the fact that I'm just bigger, faster, stronger, younger uh, than the competition, I think I'm right around the corner from getting that W and being the number one sports talk radio host here in the market. So I'm, I'm optimistic. I know my, uh, my ownership is, my management is, and uh, it's, it's been a great, it's been a pleasure working for the, for the franchise for sure. Sam Mays, our guest on the franchise in OKC and in Tulsa, also former Oklahoma State offensive lineman joining us here. Sam, let's, uh, let's talk some football here now. You know, uh, really interesting storylines across the Big 12. It's as wide open as it's been probably uh, since pre-Baker Mayfield in the Big 12. Specifically the teams in your state, Oklahoma State in particular. Uh, is Spencer Sanders really the guy that Mike Gundy, you think, wants to be the starting quarterback this fall? Or is he going to be okay going with a guy like Drew? Brown. Well, I think you're, you know, I, I don't necessarily, I can't, Gundy's done a great job at keeping that offense relevant over the years. When you really think about it, Oklahoma State offensively has been in the conversation for top 10 in the nation almost for a decade. Like he gets it done at a high level. The quarterback situation for him, him has always been interesting though. I mean, you go back to the Bobby Reed uh, situation of long, you know, 10 years ago, uh, he, he just seems like when it's not an obvious choice, there's always kind of a struggle in finding out who that guy is. For example, the Brandon Whedon, Alex Kate situation. I'll never forget this Thursday night game against Colorado. 
Alex Kate does not complete a pass, not one, in the entire first half of the game. All right, not one. And then here comes Brandon Whedon, who torches the place, wins the game, and becomes arguably the greatest quarterback in Oklahoma State history. It just, you know, my thing is, how do you watch Alice Kate and then watch Brandon Whedon and practice and make the decision to start Kate over Whedon? I don't understand it. <laughs> so now he's in a situation where it's not an obvious choice to the quarterback spot. He's got a fifth-year senior there that thinks it's, the job is his. He's got a couple, you know, freshmen coming in. And you mentioned Drew Brown and, and, you know, the kid, the transfer out of Hawaii. There's a lot of different options here. But Gundy's just got to find a way that's going to help him keep his offense as versatile as, as possible in that situation and, and be able to run the football and, and, you know, use that offensive line that's not necessarily great uh, in a situation where uh, it's going to benefit benefit the offense. So, the, the, you know, I, I really couldn't tell you who the, uh, you know, who the quarterback's going to be, but I'm really kind of curious to see what he decides because it, it might not be the right decision. If you look about what he's done in the past, it really might not be the right decision. Very interesting. Sam May is our guest. Uh, Sam, meantime, down in Norman, of course, uh, Lincoln Riley begins life without Baker Mayfield. Kyler Murray looks like he's going to, you know, at least continue and play football this fall. Uh, you think that's a mistake? You know what? I think when you start talking about, and this, this is an Oklahoma State guy telling you this, and this just shows you how much I love college football. When you start talking about the University of Oklahoma or Notre Dame, Alabama, you know, USC, these are, these are Ohio State. These are brands that are iconic in this game. So to be the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma is not something to shake your fist at. It's an honor. It, it really is. And if you can play that position at a high level uh, in this state, you're king. And you can do whatever you want to do. You know, Jason White is slinging air conditioners all over the place. The guy has made a career off of being – you know, the uh, you know, starting quarterback at Oklahoma, I think it's a, it's a pleasure. You know, I think when you look at the relationship that Lincoln Riley has with his players and the, the one that Kyler Murray has with his teammates, I think he instantly commands respect. And I think he looks at this as a great opportunity to do something unique. You know, this isn't the starting quarterback at Tulsa mm-hmm. or Minnesota or even Oklahoma State, for that matter. This is Oklahoma. And uh, I, I, from a competitor standpoint, uh, from a former athlete standpoint, I love the fact that he's doing this. It's, it's, it's incredible that he's going to sit back and, you know, allow his baseball career to wait just for a semester while he goes and plays football because it's something that he wants to do. He wants to compete, and uh, I think he's a special kid for it. Sam, you look at the Big 12 as a whole, I think it's been a good 12 to 24 months for this conference. You know, OU in the college football playoff should have beat Georgia, I think, in hindsight. A lot of people will say that. The revenues are rising, especially when you factor in those Tier 3 numbers. You know, they're right up there with the SEC and the Big 10. Uh, it looks like the conference is stable, feeling good about itself. Where do you see the Big 12 right now in the hierarchy of Power 5 conferences? Oh, I think it's probably the worst conference in college football, in the Power 5. Um, and that's just me being honest with you. Until Texas finds a way to get themselves out of the dog days that they've been experiencing since about 2008, um, this conference is going to struggle to survive. You know, the, the spread offense has killed this conference as far as its ability to bring in high-end defensive talent. Lincoln Riley is starting to combat that a little bit. When you look at his last couple of recruiting classes, got some kids that were were highly regarded in, in high school football and guys that some SEC schools were going after. So that's good for Lincoln for sure. But nobody else is getting that. I mean, why would I come to play Big 12 football as a defensive end uh, or a defensive tackle when the spread offense is just ruined uh, any opportunity of me getting quality film to play in the next level in the NFL? That's the biggest problem. The defenses are trash here. They just are. So when you look at, for example, that Georgia game that you mentioned, for Oklahoma, Oklahoma's got a couple of defensive tackles 
one, very, very athletic, but neither one of them capable of playing real fundamentally sound football against an offensive line and a running back committee like what Georgia was bringing to the table. These guys all think they're defensive ends. They all think they're pass rushers. They all want to go get sacks. None of them want to play the game fundamentally, which is why they got their tails beat in the trenches. You can't win high-end football with with bad defensive lines. You can't win high-end football uh, with not with unphysical linebackers. Like that's just a, that's just a significant difference between Oklahoma right now and in Alabama. In my opinion, is just the quality of athlete in the type of football they're playing. Uh, there in the trenches, you know, you got to love Mike Stoops for wanting to run a three-four defense. I get it. I want to run it too, especially here in the Big Twelve. When you consider the amount of receivers and what it does for you, adding another body out there in the secondary and, and having athletic linebackers to run and and cover guys. But unless you've got a nose guard and a couple of defensive ends that are crapping dimes and eating nails, like you can't, mm. you can't do it. You cannot do it. And right now in high school football, there might be eight guys in a class that come out that are talented enough to play the nose guard position in a 3-4 defense at the, at the top end of a Power 5 conference. Eight of them, maybe, in the country, and Oklahoma's not getting them. Oklahoma State's not getting them. Nobody in the Big 12 is getting those guys. I mean, Texas last year, you got to love Puna Ford for the effort that he played with. He's an incredible young man, a very talented football player, but never going to be a high-end, real physical, space-eating, eat-up-a-garden-center type nose guard. He's just not going to be that guy. So it's, um, you know, I think it starts there with the defenses, and, and the defenses are never going to change in this league until the offenses start to be more balanced. That's why you love Lincoln Riley's offense. You love the fact that Tom Herman's looking to be a little more physical. Heck, even Mike Gundy had a 1,000-yard rusher a year ago, but he used a series of draws to get there. Um, I think Iowa State's making a transition to be more physical. I think Matt Rule down there Baylor's going to be a little more physical. These, these offenses making that transition back to a more versatile type of play is going to help this conference get some more legitimate defensive talent. But until that happens, and I think it might be three or four years down the road, I think you're stuck in a position where, you know, Oklahoma's going to be Big 12 rich. They're going to get themselves into semifinal games, and they're going to struggle to win those games and struggle to win national titles until those defenses get better and the talent they have in the field gets better. And on that note, Sam, I mean, you saw Texas come in here and have a great recruiting class led by a slew of defensive backs. So they can recruit defensively, but you're saying right now it's the defensive lines in particular that are hurting this conference and its inability to play with the SEC and Big Ten schools. Absolutely. When you start talking about legitimate, you know, uh, your semifinal football You've got to have guys up front that can do it. And, and right now, I mean, I can't think of the last true physical specimen edge rusher that Oklahoma had. Like, I like Oboe from a year ago. He got drafted. He's a good football player, yeah. but he's not a great football player. You know, the, the striker kid from a couple of years ago, very good football player, but not a great football player. They've got to have guys along that defensive line. You know, the Tommy Harris's and Dusty mm-hmm. Dvorak's and Dan Coe, you know, like they just, they're not getting that type of player. Uh, anymore. And I think it, that culture in, in Norman is starting to change for sure. I think they're getting some quality kids. They have some kids on campus right now that might uh, help them out along the defensive front in this year. But until they can stabilize that group and really count on bodies to be great, um, then then it's going to be tougher than to win those big-time matchups. Because the reality is you're not getting into a semifinal game unless you have a great offensive line. And when you look at the four teams that were in the year ago, what would they, all of them had very good offensive lines. But you can't win those games unless your defensive line is able to play against those guys. And mm-hmm. I thought Georgia bullyballed Oklahoma. You know, they just they just beat them up. And when it came down to it, they were able to outlast uh, the Sooners because they were just more physical. What well, awesome conversation. He's Sam Mays. You hear him on the franchise in OKC and in Tulsa. Uh, Sam, really appreciate a few minutes, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time.
Many thanks to Sam Mays for joining us here on the show. And if you liked it, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You guys are the best. Thanks for the download. Thanks for the listen. And uh, we'll talk soon.